bourbon barrel scotch ale, but it tasted oh, more no. like a Disarono. No, Christ almighty. <laughs> Woo. But with a bit uh, of malt. You know, a bit of yeah, character sure, behind sure. it. Malty, 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 malty. Anyway. Okay. Okay, what are we here to talk about? I think people, I, th- I think people who have said that we're woefully unprofessional have actually gone lightly on us in quite a lot of ways. Um, sometimes uh, we get feedback from people that listen to this podcast, and they think they're just hearing, like, um, kind of like complain, like complaining calls to ASDA. Yeah, like, but just uh, broadcast over Spotify. Yeah, and then they have to double check, and then they realise that we're neither talking about football nor philosophy. Yeah, yeah, we we, so we're we alienate intellectual or yeah, part, like an everyman. We so alienate. We're not anything. We alienate our our two audiences rather than one, and that in itself is an achievement. How about my mum? My mum has stopped listening to this. My mum um, stopped listening to this, and um, I insisted she didn't, but she did to spite me because that's basically how she lives her life, and. Um, <laughs> She, even she stopped listening. Why don't and it you... gets piped in. No, no, but the thing is, the, the, the irony is, it gets piped into our nursing home. <laughs> so no one, no one, no one has a choice whether to listen to it. She just locks herself in the toilet and then, she, you know that red cord that dangles from the ceiling? She keeps mm. pulling it over and over again and then they, they found her last week just with her head in the toilet because she just can't listen. Why don't you bring a sense of professionalism to this and at two minutes and 27 seconds into our podcast, yeah. actually welcome people in. Welcome to The Outsiders, a football and philosophy podcast for the discernible listener who enjoys a good kick around, but also at the same time to think about it. Mm. That's actually, yeah. That was actually really good. Um, I'm going to cut that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Um, like I said, we betrayed both audiences. Like, If you're a thinker, um, you've already thought your way out of this and, yeah. and you've realised yeah. you put the wrong podcast on. Can I recommend a few other podcasts? There's some great podcasts you just do. Um, there's some great philosophy ones. Um, there's some great football ones. And there's a couple that are really good philosophy football ones as well. I'll, I'll, I'll pop the links in the um, <laughs> in the in the Spotify thing. Um, if you're a thinker, then go along to those ones. And if you just like football and you're just interested, you know, you know, getting getting that ball in the net, then um, there's some great football podcasts. There. Brilliant ones, much better than 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 what we've got to say. So um, yeah. I think good luck to you. Um, but in the meantime, we're gonna tick along. We've got a couple of fantastic features. We've got um, the ism jism, which is a brand new feature, oh. which um, Simon came up with. Um, I didn't come up came with up the name. name. No, I didn't. You, come came, up you with... just came up with the name, I and I came up with the concept. And what I do is I come up with amazing concepts um, for kind of expanding the vernacular and vocabulary of the <laughs> listeners, or should I say, mum? Um, well, not even her anymore. No, not even her. A carer, really. Yeah, but. Um, we we and then what I do is I I say how about we really get to grips and have some real depth, some real in depth kind of like discussion and conceptual understanding of this word. And Sider sits there and kind of shouts um, words that just rhyme with cock and, and knob and stuff like that. And and, I, and every now and then one slips through um, for want of a better phrase. And the one that slipped through this time was the um, ism jism, in which I'm going to um, throw out a few isms at him, and he is going to say how that relates to um, a footballing um, interest of uh, 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 that is contemporary. Now, you might be thinking, sitting there thinking to yourself, what the hell am I going to listen to that for? But I'll tell you something for free. If you're listening to that and you're listening to the isms, then when you're down the pub or just in your front room, talking to your mates or just your family or your wife, and you're thinking about football that you're watching on the TV in the pub slash TV in your living room, and you're drinking a lovely pint of the old golden cold from your local slash from your fridge, you can say something that sounds mildly intelligent and you might bamboozle the person that you share your life with and seem intelligent. I don't know about you, And that's, Stu. What, we're, that's what we're about, isn't it? I don't that's know we're about, about you, Stu, but frequently when I've been in conversation with my mates, someone's piped oh, up yeah. and has actually asked mates. the question, what is, what is fascism yeah. actually about? I, listen, I can't, I can't move from my friends before they turn around and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie Vardy's all very good and well, but what about absolutism? Mm. Uh, and, 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 and then I think there's a gap in the market here. Yeah. Or, for instance, um, sure, Burkamp was probably more technical than Henri, but what is solipsism? Yeah. And I go, well, listen, yeah. there's a gap in the market here and we need to fill it. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. So that's the first feature. The second feature, what's that? Well, well, the second feature... We that's were... the bit where you talk. That's the bit, you know, when I just said that, that's the bit where you talk. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the the first, I was quite interested in in that particularly, but also yeah. I felt like actually we could go a little bit further. And there's this um, there's an amazing meme that sort of did did the rounds in about 2012. Um, 2012, a full nine years ago, brilliant. Yeah, this is this is as current as you're getting. We're currently nine years <laughs> about it, and I know what you're thinking, and I'm thinking about um, how we reduce or we're we you know there's a certain amount of reductionism. Thank you. Um, related to football in this podcast which is why we keep talking about Kevin Davis um but carry on so we're nine years we're, we're catching up with ourselves because actually we were kind of in the mid 90s not too long ago so we were quickly catching up with ourselves go on nine years ago what happened mate basically there was a meme that came out that that described oh, yeah. lots of different I call it a meme I call it a meme I don't know where people get this word meme from it's a uh, meme probably Richard Dawkins professor Oh, Dickie Dawkins. Big Dickie. He listens to this. He listens he listens to this. And I tell you something, right? He listens I was talking to Dickie I was talking to Dickie Dawkins mm. the other day, right? Right? No, 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 don't um like that. I was still talking to Dickie Dawkins the other day. And he said to, he turned around to me and he said, Yeah, yeah, Stu, you are the you know, the thinking man's JJ Acotcher. But how does dualism how does dualism work in modern day life? And I say, Well, Dickie, listen to the podcast and then he said, Fine, and in front of me, right there on his iPhone, he um subscribed. <laughs> He listens to this whilst he hurts himself. In the groin? Across the whole body. Um, Yeah. Now, listen, the meme or the meme um, was actually a way to describe uh, different different isms, so taking it further, um, but using the idea of two cows. Um, and and it was it was quite an interesting idea. So it was actually looking at um, capitalism. It was looking yep. at socialism. It was looking yep. at, at at the differences between different corporations from different countries and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, the big ones. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it used two cows to describe it. So one of the things I thought would be quite interesting for us to do would be to use two footballers, and Brilliant. we can relate it to actually because I've realised we talk about football. <clears throat> In a vanishingly, vanishingly small percentage of our podcast, which is a mainly football podcast, small. yeah, terrifyingly small. We talk more about the state of our nether regions than we do about football. You and, talk and about that, you the know. state. No, you you talk about the state of our nether regions more than it's than important. Else. But the point is, this is a footballing of sorts podcast, so it's important we get to that right. And we've got a third feature, which is questions from an idiot in the street. We asked an idiot in the street yeah. some questions about football. We're going to clear it up for them. And and, and the thing ah, is, the ratio between... Me. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I can't stay in. Even, uh, even in our level of lack of professionalism, you just your flatulence is just being <laughs> thrown into people's ears. And listen, um, the ratio between idiots in the street and Arsenal yeah. fans... Yeah, is one to one, isn't it? Ma- yeah, yeah, it's one to one. What's the odds? You know, when I think to myself, a general more in the street and an Arsenal fan, one to one, one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so, um, so you, you want to look at? The, I can't even, I can't even use the title the of the first feature. No, thought spunk. Okay, I'm going to throw an ism at you. Okay. And I want you, this is actually almost like putting you on the spot a little bit. It is and, putting and me on the spot a little me. bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but you, you're a bright man. You're a bright man. And I tell you what, I learn from you every day. Mostly benign, like mundane things, like how not to make a cup of tea or, or, or like how not to wipe my nose. But I'm going to throw some things at you. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw what I think is a fairly easy one at you to begin with. And I'm yep. going off the top of my head. Go but on. I'm going to give you all of my isms. Yep. If that doesn't sound too dirty. Okay. So the first one I'm going to start with is collectivism collectivism so um collectivism um for 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 people that listen who, who might not know or people that do and like calm down stop being so arrogant right um is is this kind of view that i guess um there's an emphasis on the idea of the group as opposed to the individual yeah so, so people working as a collective yeah um i think under the kind of remit or under the steam of like the greater good of the group is more important than that of the individual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So collectivism is a really interesting Ooh. thing. I think particularly when we, we look at football because it sits in 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 almost um, sort of an opposite um, area to some managers, but for some it's their whole philosophy, their whole footballing philosophy. So collectivism. Yeah. If you want to look at, at the purest form of collectivism, 
yeah. you need to look purely at Marcello Bielsa. <laughs> so so Marcello Bielsa is is a collectivist in terms of his mentality. So I've noticed of late that you've started calling him Marcello. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I don't know whether that's because you've been putting more paprika in your food <laughs> or or what. I I don't know what's gone on there. Have you suddenly gone to the dark side in terms of like language or are you just trying to be faithful? Do you think that there is there's take- a chance that he might be fumbling around with his phone, kind of like smashing it with his... I imagine he's got enormous thumbs. Smashing it with his enormous thumbs and all of a sudden something pops up and he can hear you going, my genital. Listen, listen. I'm building myself up for when society reopens again and I go to that first French restaurant and everybody else is oh, like, yeah. hello, can, can I have the the beef stew? I'm going to be sat yeah. there like a debonair prince and I'm like, bonjour, uh, salut. No, no, no. Hors d'oeuvres. No. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, no. So, hors d'oeuvres. Anyway, back to collectivism. Marcello yeah. Bielsa. Marcello Bielsa. Um, what is it actually? Is it Marcello or Marcello? Because I've been saying it either right or wrong for ages. Um, I've asked him directly. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? Did he say he's Dave. He, Dave Bielsa. He he said, "Leave my house quickly because I've called yep. the police." Did he say it like that, or did he say? He said it in Spanish. Leave oh the house oh immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I'll call oh the police oh. Yeah, that is incredibly insensitive. <laughs> I think you'll find if you add an O onto most English words, you'll get by in the major cities in Spain. Said Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> um, so Mar- Marcelo. He he's a collectivist in terms of, and case in point in that is, um, you you have a set of players who are doing relatively well in the Premiership, who are almost through the money ball sort of style style system have very specific characteristics and have been trained and conditioned in such a way that mm. they fit into the 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 machine. So individual genius is not necessarily prized above an ability to contribute to the overall efficiency of the machine. Mm, um, mm. What he has shown is a slight deviation from collectivism in this past season by the the introduction of Rafinha, who, I, I'm making the prediction, will go to a club for between 50 and £80 million pounds in the next two seasons. He's got not individual... prediction if it's that broad, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a prevision, yeah. as Eust would have said in one of our previous oh, podcasts. Uh, but but, but Rafinha, for example, like he has individual skill, but he still in- improves the whole collective by a certain percentage. Stuart Dallas, yeah. even Patrick Bamford, um, you, you look, um, Alioski, you look at these players, individually, they wouldn't get into Sheffield United. They wouldn't get into most sides, actually, but what Bielsa can see in them is that they are cogs in the machinery. Their percentage increases in the efficiency of, of the team. So in a collectivist sense, the individual is suppressed. And a case in point in that as well, philosophically, it's really interesting, is one of the Leeds players, a mainstay of the side, um, a key player in their promotion, um, Pablo Hernandez, he threw his toys out the pram when he got substituted mm. and very publicly did that thing that players do where they're not happy that they've been substituted. They, they have a bit of, a, we've seen nothing of him because as far as Bielsa is concerned, what he's done there is he's removed his cog from the machine and he's tried to roll his own cog down the hill. <laughs> um, but Bielsa that's not, Bielsa's not there. Now on the flip side of a, of a collectivist um, uh, sort of, philosophy and worldview i would actually put somebody like um uh, jose Mourinho, particularly during his chelsea yes. years because yeah. what what Mourinho did is he almost saw and almost prized the sovereignty of the individual and 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 fed into that so and, and interestingly, both of the both Bielsa and Mourinho have two different skill sets. Bielsa has never managed a top, top, top club because a lot of people reckon were he to try to install his methods with two hundred thousand pounds plus a week players who have been frequently told you're the best player in the world, you're in the top five best players in the world, it just wouldn't fly. What Mourinho does is he takes these players who have got such individual genius and he says, I'll create a platform for you to express what you need to do. So Didier Drogba, for me, is a really good example of that. Drogba did what Drogba did. 
and Drogba mm. was told, you just crack on and you do it. You look yeah. at Mourinho at Manchester United, like, and actually he did exactly the same thing, which is really interesting because Manchester United have historically been, they lean more towards the collectivist approach with space for the individual brilliance and genius, but actually more towards, angled more towards a, collectiv- a collectivistic outlook. So Mourinho going there was always a really strange option, whereas Chelsea basically were, were a nothing club until a, a lot of dirty Russian money came into them, um, at which point, when they became part dirty, of the well state arm of Russia, um, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, what they were able to suddenly do was purchase players and pretty much every single youth player in Europe who mm. who had an individual skill, and they got a manager in Mourinho, who was their most successful manager, who nurtured that skill, but didn't necessarily provide. Pro, um, uh, pursue a collectivist um, way way of seeing things. So so that meant yeah. it meant that some players actually never really shone, but other players shone really 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 brightly. And yeah, yeah. Rodrigo, who plays for Spain as their number nine, is playing a bit part this season, partly because of injuries, injuries in Leeds in a number ten or a central midfield role. Because Bielsa's decided, the collectivist in him has decided, this is the best way to improve the team as a whole. Whereas I reckon someone like Mourinho, if he'd have got a Rodrigo, Bamford would have been straight on the bench and Rodrigo would have been straight up front. And Mourinho would have been telling him, you're the man, you do what you do, you know, all of that side of things. So collectivism is a really interesting one to look at because I think it shows the differences in, 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 in philosophies. Guardiola was another interesting one, who I actually think straddles the two, in that he's able to instill in some of the top, top, top players in the world a collectivist ideology. And so there was a period of time where he was in Barcelona and he had Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi, um, you know, and he was able to get out of them a collectivist way of working that still enabled them to demonstrate their individualism. But try to try to put that onto someone like Cristiano Ronaldo. Try to instill that into someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Benzema so, or, or Sergio Ramos. It's not going to happen. So you need a different so, manager who's not collectivist for them. So the opposite of collectivism is individualism. Yeah, and, and you could look do at you, it as individual sovereignty. You know, do you think that how do, how do um how does the average football fan think? Do they think as a collectivist or an individualist? I, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think there's a, there's a collectivistic approach. Because so so one of the whole ideas is is that we we've been talking about how how football has replaced Christianity as the religion of our country, mm. and and I, and I think you know it's a bit of a tired trope, but it, it's true in a lot of ways. But if you look at collectivist organisations like the church, which which says certain things like well. If you're going to be a part of us, you have to believe these things. Yeah. Um, Particularly if you look at other religions around the world. I mean, particularly religions that are didactic. So if you look at uh, Islam, for example, in a lot of ways... a big monotheism. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There's the... Well, if you want to call yourself part of the chosen, you have to subscribe to this way of thinking, this way of giving, this way of living your life. Now... I actually think that football clubs have engendered in their fans, even if they don't do it in their team, a collectivism because yeah. it's you have to buy our clothes, you have to buy our training kits, you have when to buy our When we disagree with something, you have to reinforce our disagreement of it. Yeah, you yeah. have yeah. to buy, you have to buy our... Um, uh, our, our Sky TV packages because they help pay us as clubs. What's really interesting is collectivism is demonstrated really clearly in terms of for fans in the Grealish debate. Because right. you ask an Aston Villa fan about Grealish, and they might be utterly repulsed by him on one level. They they will never say that publicly to a Birmingham City no. fan. Whereas no. if you ask a, a, any other Premiership team about Jack Grealish, they'll call him a diving waste of space until. Until he gets linked, <laughs> until he comes, until he, he turns up for England. At which point, we suddenly join this new collective, 
and talk about how Grealish is the jewel in the crown. So that's like groupthink, isn't it? I did the same thing, mate, because when we were watching when we were watching England, Grealish went down mm-hmm. a couple of times, and I remember saying to you, I was like, "What? What a genius!" Well, you've always been you've always been quite vocal about this idea that. I mean, unfair play to you because I can't quite get there. Like, Grealish wins free kicks and penalties on the basis that a he's really skillful and he plays for them. Yeah, and that's a real that's a real tightrope because oh, there's a thin line between looking to get fouled and then being fouled because you're really skillful. I would say, for instance, you know, I was watching a highlight reel the other day of like Ronaldo, like the old fashioned Ronaldo, not the new Ronaldo. Um, how he was just, and when he played for Milan, he was just hacked at repeatedly. Yeah. And the yeah. highlight reel was not him scoring goals. The highlight reel was him wa- walking around six people who all took it upon themselves to kick a lump out of him, and he refused to go down. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of breeds a different kind of thought behind it. But um, like you say, you know, if if you are skillful and you do, the ball does stick to your feet. There is a good chance that at certain points people are just going to try and take you out of the game, and therefore, by definition, you're going to have to win more penalties and more free kicks. But it, it, because that's a part of your game, and and you could argue that Manchester United get more, and Leicester City get more free kicks and more penalties on the basis that they've but, got better players in the box. But it depends. It depends on the context and who you're asking, because you're right. Football clubs are collectivist organisations, like religions are. And so what happens is, um, I can't stand Rashford when he's playing for Man United. When he's trying to shove food down children's mouths and <laughs> and, and, and also then playing for England, I love yeah. him. I think he's a genius. Yeah. I think he should be nice. When he's shoving food down children's mouths, I don't know where to begin into on, on, a, on a kind of like English language level of that. But <laughs> you mean when he's trying to um, sway the government's um, tax money uh, in a certain uh, direction? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's not get into it, let's not get into it. Actually, we'll come on to that in a minute. Remember, Rashford, we'll come on to that in a minute. All right. I just had an idea. Oh, great. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Listen, while I've had the idea, can we move on? I've got another another ism just popped into my head, and you're going to love this one. Oh, God. Um, objectivism. So the idea that there's a kind of ethical underpinning of the fact that acts are objectively either right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's come back to shoving food down kids' throats. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so the idea that, that objectivism basically says that that individual rights are yes are basically the only thing that you can you can sort of hold on to is that is that is that what you're sort of what what I'm getting at here is that is, is that there is universal truth behind so, so being objective is that you remove the the subjectivity behind the situation and objectively an act is either right or wrong so um so just to keep it contemporary in in the country right now someone refusing to get a a jab that's kind of like um to immunize themselves from covid yeah i think that there is a general consensus that that is objectively a wrong decision because yeah yeah that it it it's it, it kind of impinges upon other people's lives okay so so and so even though you might have some outliers that say well actually that individual kind of has the right to say whatever actually objectively we have all made a national decision and maybe even a european and global decision that that's a wrong thing yeah 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 okay so so football football, football yeah yeah football. so but but let's 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 like tighten the lens a little bit more okay okay so i'll the, tighten your lens <laughs> carry on so the four pillars of objectivism yeah. Yeah. So reality, reason, mm. self-interest, and capitalism. Right. Okay. So, so the idea of objectivism. So, so you're right in terms of for okay. that that jab being objectively not a good thing. Like by saying rejecting having the jab, objectively we can say that's not a good thing. Is because yeah. actually there's a level there where. It's not, it doesn't help the self-interest, but it also doesn't help my self-interest because you're making society remain closed for longer. It doesn't feed into capitalism. The fewer people who have jabs, the harder our economy is hit over time. Reason, it yeah. doesn't hit at all because all the evidence and all the science says um, they're not injecting 5G into your system and they're not going to yeah. put microchips in you to control you absolute nutcase. And then in terms of the reality of the situation as well, it's that actually we've had close to 150,000 people die 
because of this yeah. thing. So here's the thing that stops you from getting it and passing it on to other people potentially. So 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 actually across the four pillars of objectivism, you actually stumbled across blindly a really good example of how objectively not having the jab makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Okay, let me throw a football scenario at you and you can put it through the ringer. Okay. okay? So I'm going to say objectively that it is um let me put something out there um objectively harry kane yeah is in the wrong for distinct moments in his playing time on the pitch when he purposely fouls and potentially injures players and it goes under the radar okay so you're saying that's objectively wrong I think that's that's objectively wrong. I don't think there's a there's a right side to that. I think that that is true and wrong. Well, objectivists actually they no they I would actually say that object uh, somebody who is like slavish about objectivism mm. will probably disagree with you there, okay. because what you're you're already te- going on to is this idea of collective rights rather than individual rights. Okay, and so. Harry Kane has every right to do exactly what he wants. And what we're saying there is by fouling these other people and by by sort of subverting the, the rules, by get, doing it under the radar, what he's doing is he's making the opposition team less efficient. And also what we're also singling into is it's not fair and it doesn't feel yeah. fair and it doesn't feel right. Well, an objectivist would be like, hmm. That sounds a little bit like the idea of group rights. It sounds a little bit like the idea of rights beyond the individual. Um, and so, so what I would what I, what I would say is, um, in terms of self interest, for Harry Kane, objectively, it's absolutely fine. Because right. in terms of his self interest, what he's doing is he's either winding up injuring or um, stopping an opposition player from preventing him from being the best striker in the world. Okay. Um, in terms of capitalism, then a really interesting one there is like one of the hearts of capitalism is this idea of it being a meritocracy. So, you know, the the whole thing of like, you know, let's make America great again. It's like, but the idea of that old America that they had was that, you know, a guy who grows up in a family with nothing can become the president of the United States and have everything. And so it's that idea of if you're clever enough, if you've got the merit, you know, you can get through. So in terms of for, for, from a, a capitalist point of view, again, objectively, there's nothing wrong from Harry Kane's perspective in terms of him doing that. Because, again, it strengthens his case of trying to be the best striker in the world. Um, in yes. terms of in terms of the reason behind it, I actually think I actually think the reason and reality are both both linked here because you're saying that he's flying under the radar. Well, until the rules change and okay. until referees get better, he's wor- he's still operating within the application of the rules that are in place. So unless they they strengthen the sort of the sighting that takes place after games or increase VAR to the point where you know we're stopping the game all the way through. He he's well within his rights in a lot of ways, although rights is a dirty word for objectivists. He's well within his rights to carry on doing what he's doing. So I actually think an objectivist would would look at what Harry Kane's doing with that, you know, that backing into people when they go yeah, and yeah. Um, going up for a header and say. But also challenging late when the when yeah. the ball moves away from the the play. Ob- objectively, there's, there's there's nothing wrong with that because in terms of okay. if 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 our target is on Harry Kane. What's really interesting about objectivism then is the player that's just been fouled. Objectively, the actions that Harry Kane has inflicted upon them then feel wrong and then look wrong and and potentially could be. But then the argument is, what does that player do Mm. to prevent that from happening again or happening in the first mm, place. Mm, mm, mm. Go back to capitalism, meritocracy. If you're a better defender, a stronger defender, if you're a little bit more canny, if you're more intelligent as a footballer than Harry Kane, then you're not going to allow him to do those things. And actually, there's been occasions, what we've also seen, where there's been some pretty decent defenders who have realised what he's going to do, avoided it, and actually ended up making him look like a fool. Um, mm. and, and again, objectively, absolutely fine. Yeah, okay. How about let's go back to uh, Marcus Rashford and objectively 
it is a good thing that he has helped to feed poor children. Yeah, ob- objectively, it absolutely is because if 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 we've got poor children who who can't feed themselves um, because of circumstances and situations, if you follow all the things that are happening um, th- over time in our country, the chances of them remaining poor are very high unless there's an intervention at some point. So in terms of if we want those to go on and become the scientists, become the um, CEOs, to become, you know, all you know, all the things that we want, you know, top level contributors to society to be, then actually it may well start with making sure that they've got enough food to be able to attend school and actually understand what's going on and, and grow in a, in a healthy way. So it, it actually serves capitalism. Self-interest is a really interesting thing because there's a separate debate you, about, it depends about whether you're it's another ism it depends whether you're kind of a slave to skepticism or pessimism yeah exactly um, about and, how you view him yeah, yeah and, and another one and an ism on that that's based on those two things is is true altruism can you ever right. be truly altruistic oh, I, can you ever what? do anything that's good you can't shake a bloody stick at the amount of isms on this go on but but that that that's an interesting one because actually anyone can argue that even if it is subconscious, there's a level of self-interest that's that's coming. It's been yeah. really interesting. There's been some really. Do you notice how like the Conservative MPs all came out and they had like the their little script to say about Marcus Rashford? It's like, yeah, why yeah. doesn't he just stick to football? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, just come on. But one of the things that happened quite interestingly towards the the sort of the back end before they actually caved in and decided it is probably right to feed children in a first world country was yeah. was actually they were trying to claim in some ways that there was some level of self promotion yeah objectively what marcus rashford is doing does actually raise his profile does actually raise this whole question of can you be truly altruistic doesn't matter there's a level of self interest that has been um sorry there i think what he's done is demonstrably a good thing but actually, that yeah. self-interest part comes in as well. And in terms of the reason and the reality of the situation, well, like, like the, the kids need to be fed, and and even if you go down to a basic biological level as well, which is like we're just trying to keep our species alive, which we're not at that that stage. But you could argue that too. I think what he's done there is is actually it, it may objectively is a good thing. I agree with you. Good. Now the third and final one is one that's very close to my heart. Um, for several reasons and it's it's something I've studied in quite a lot of detail and it's just something that's um, pricked at the back of my imagination right now because it's, it's something I think probably gets spoken about quite a lot but again kind of under the radar yeah um, when I was younger and I used to speak to my dad about great footballers from the past yeah the debate we would always finish on always finish on he would say George Best Pele yeah Jimmy Greaves etc etc and at the time when I was talking to him, I was probably in the Cantona era. Yeah. Um, and I would and I would say quite openly, they would have they would. I don't think they'd be as good now as they were then. Yeah. So the final ism is historicism, mm. and it's the idea that to understand historical events, you need to understand them within their own context as opposed to out of their context. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, a really that's a really interesting one, isn't it? So like, if is, you, if yeah. you if you picked up Billy Bremner. Yeah, uh, yeah, George Best. If if you took Pele and whacked yeah. him in the Premiership now, with with all the nutrition and the training and and all of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that for me, I genuinely I've got absolutely no idea about. And and actually, that feeds yeah. into a few other uh, absurd. Uh, like uh, it feeds into absurdism. It feeds into nihilism as well because absurdism is like would would then say well it's ludicrous it makes no sense to do that because there's no sense in anything it's all it's ludicrous what we're doing and there's no no chance of us finding any meaning in anything whereas nihilism it's like well there is no meaning in anything so there's no point us talking about this um but then when you you apply them to that the the historic outlook of like would pele have still scored a thousand goals, which apparently he said he scored in his career. Would he have scored a thousand goals in today's game? I think is is an impossible question to answer, because it, it is. I think I think there are a few things that we can say that are objectively true, though. I think that the the general quality of football fifty years ago, sixty years ago, was not as high generally as it is now. But 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 again, absolutely agreed. 
but the I've got no data. But the quality of the pitch, the quality of the equipment, the quality of yep. the training, the understanding about nutrition. So is it is it comparing apples and pears then? I, I think I think it absolutely is. I, I really love the idea of of trying to imagine what it would be like to have like the top player. So like anyone it's that's interesting listening I to just this, said like, that thing a second ago. It's interesting I just said that thing a second ago about Cantona because yeah. You know, we're we're another twenty years on from that, aren't we? Well, and so yeah. Cantona with Messi, Cantona with Cantona's with some of the big names now. I mean, and maybe I can understand my dad a little bit more because I I actually think Cantona would be fine now. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't have any evidence to prove that other than I'm just turned into my dad. No, well, <laughs> well, well, the thing is as well that's quite interesting is a lot of the players that we think would be fine now are players that were almost twenty years ahead of their time anyway. Yeah. So, so Cantona had a had a particular skill set which yeah. we would see which suited that. That, that historical context yeah in a lot of ways that like it, he he stood out because he played in a certain way that nobody else was playing in George Best what's kind of tragic about it is that I think that kind of like um, a really run in the mill player right now would run Cantona into the ground and would m- meet the metrics of what that thing that's strapped to their chest like much more than him Catamol, think Catamol ch- versus Catamol. Cantona. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and, and you know what's interesting is that I think they'd get, I don't think Eric Cantona would have a chance now. That's the difference is that he won't get, he won't get picked. You know, no, it's, no. It's, 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 the, it's the Gaza paradigm, isn't it? Like yeah. Gaza wouldn't, Gaza wouldn't be selling the like, fish and chips outside the ground at the minute. He's not, he's not fit for that. <laughs> um, I mean, the idea, you know, I remember watching Gaza in the, uh, in the uh, when he, um, when he played for Spurs and I remember thinking, I can be a footballer. And I hadn't really kicked a football up to that point. Mm. But I remember thinking, because uh, there's his stomach hanging over his shorts. Yeah, it look. Like, he looks a bit like my dad. I turned to my dad on the couch and saw his stomach hanging over his jeans. And like his hair wasn't particularly styled. And, you know, just was a bit out of shape, but kind of like a, a well-formed man of sorts. And I thought, oh, I, I could be a footballer like that. Gaza... Gaza wouldn't be selling kits in the shop. <laughs> no. He wouldn't, would he? Well, no, he wouldn't be able to hold down a job. Go near him. But but the the other thing as well that I, I think would be quite interesting would be to actually do a, a sort of a level of reverse historicism. So, Ooh. take players from the more modern era and put them into a historical context and see how they would do. So take okay, I'll take three of the best players in the world. Um, so take Messi and yeah. have him play. Um, have him play for Barcelona um, back in in the seventies. Take Cristiano Ronaldo, have him play for Manchester United in in the sixties. Take take Kevin Davis um, yeah. and have him play for that great sixty six England side up front. I mean, it, it would still be a foregone conclusion as to how how that how it would end. But but it, <laughs> but it, the actual serious point behind that is is like take those players. And put them in. It, uh, uh, but but again, really interestingly, I immediately hit that blockage where it's like, but remove the nutrition, remove the training, remove the hundred and ninety pounds. That's why boots. people rate. Do you reckon that's why people rate Messi over Ronaldo at times? Because even though Messi is like super fit and the rest of it, it doesn't seem to be his trademark. It doesn't seem to be the thing that separates him from the rest. He still look, has the body shape of the little boy that's kicking the ball against the wall. Well, the, the inter- Whereas Ronaldo yeah. is a product of well, it's, super science. It's, 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 it's the difference between nature and art. And so for me, I think there, there are two things there. Like It's, it's like, okay. Someone... Hang on a minute, wait there. Aestheticism. Ooh, another oh, ism. Um, so basically, no, like, there's too many isms what today. You, we, too many. We, we've, we've overshot it. It's too many. You've been on. You've been on the glue, mate. Um, what I tell you, what's happened? Like, like, so if you've got the nature of yeah. of genius, which we can say that Messi has, yeah, you. I think there is something that we all think about, and again, there's no data to prove it, but you could plonk them anywhere and they would, mm-hmm. they would do relatively well. Whereas the idea I think of that, of, uh, you know what, you know, who's my, you know, my favorite player of all time is JJ. <laughs> Not JJ. Ivan Campo. He's a very close third. <laughs> UC um, Askelainen. Got... 
I've got two, I've got no 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 Ivan Campo. No, um, I've got two players in my head are just incredible. And you know what's interesting about both of them? Neither of them are athletic. Neither of them are kind of like machines. They're both utterly mercurial. Ruddock. My second favourite player of all time Colin is Colin Oh no. Yeah, you know, Colin Hendry is what I what I I got, I base myself on. Um, Yeboa, just Yeboa, that pure yeah. eclectic mania of like yeah, just his muscles absolutely. were and his bones, yeah. his, his brain always worked. But my favourite player of all time by a long, long distance is Zidane. Mm, absolutely, and, and, yeah, yeah. And he, for me, that that that's that trumps. That's why I prefer Messi to well, Ronaldo. He that's answers, why I have Messi over Ronaldo. He answers your question in a lot of ways. In that, yeah. when he was, you know, um, one of the, when he was began managing at Real Madrid, one of the Real Madrid players came out to say that they'd have their five a side game. Um, you know, as all the players um, yeah. uh, after a training session, and he would be the best player on the pitch still. Like yeah. and 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 it's and I think there's an element of that. Whereas, yeah, Ronaldo sort of sits around this sort of the art. So Ronaldo has has been able to develop the nutrition, the diet, yeah. the the training, and and it's things like like if you took Albert Einstein and and whacked him in the Large Hadron Collider, you would expect that he would have the level of genius to be able to use the, what we've got now mm. to 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 just crack on and be absolutely yeah. incredible you, you take Marie Curie you would see that so in a footballing sense yeah I think I'm with you in that I, I would feel more confident that were you to plonk Messi into whatever football will look like in 2050 where nobody's heading the ball um, there are four quarters and VAR there's no referee um, there are no linesmen there's, there's just a screen and a buzzer that tells them to stop playing you know all that sort of whatever it is Way to put Messi in that situation, I think he would probably fare better than Ronaldo. Way to put Cantona in that situation, I think he would fare better than. I'm trying to think who, who around that time probably. Um, uh, Giggs, maybe? Mm. Um, because G- Giggs is another one that. I mean, he had, a bit, he had the genius. Ronaldo has genius, but they were tuned athletes weren't they whereas mm. you know you look at Cantona now and he's 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 he's, 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 he's living life but but yeah I love that idea of, of of the genius being able to just not be based on any sort of historic context um, you I, know when you've um, played FIFA and you've played with those previous great players yeah and it doesn't quite work for you and yeah you think, oh yeah and, and and the thing is they're all on 99 they're all like the best they can be yeah um with their with their own individual skills, but for some reason there's a kind of like almost like a mental block. Like they're not. It's almost like you're, they're not good enough because you've accepted in your mind they're not as good as the players now or something. Yeah, yeah. But in the same respect, do you think that some players now are slightly more transient within our memories? Like, will we be talking about Mbappe in fifteen years? Will we be talking about him in in thirty years? I think is the big question. Like, okay, uh, like he, and and because we're talking about. We're talking about Pele. We're talking about um, Yaboa. We're talking about Cantona. But we're not actually, in terms of a footballing sense, we're not talking about Bruce. Um, we're we're not talking about um, you know play, players that, unless you're a fanatic about your club, people are going to remember. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm pretty certain that non-Leeds fans don't rave every single day about Tony Dorigo. No, 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 I, and there's a, there's an argument to be had that his, in a historical and historicist way, there's some players that can't exist outside of their historical context. Like as much as I love the guy, and I do love him, mm. Roy Keane is a perfect example. Now he won't make it as a footballer now, and yeah. it's not because he wasn't good. He just he he just couldn't exist within the parameters of the game. Yeah, yeah. He 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 would be so. Uh, I reckon he'd probably be in the bottom half of the championship. And he'd be before you knew it, you know, he'd be on. Um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Just as the guy that got sent off every game. Yeah, you know, that, that it's as simple as that, really. Yeah. And the game, you can argue, might have been a different kind of quality then, or more entertainment. But that's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we've spoken about isms. The ism, the the ismism has well and truly <sighs> left um the stable. <laughs> I can't the st- mix metaphor. The there. stable. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to come on to the two footballers, two cows thing next week, I think, because there's legs in that. But I want to answer the <laughs> the question. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> I want to ask to answer the um, 
questions from the moron on the street. So we 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 accosted a moron on the street and said, "What are the three things that you want to know?" He happened to be an Arsenal fan, didn't he? <clears throat> he happened to be an Arsenal fan, and to be completely honest, yeah, he was. I found him quite revolting. But you know, each their own, and I find lots of different people revolting. So fair play to him. Um, so the first question is. Um, the, I'll come to his first question last because it's a bit more of a, a summation of something. First question, Bruno Fernandes. Does he show that acclimatisation is a myth and the same goes for Odegaard? What do you say about this? What I, first of all, I'm surprised that he was able to use the word acclimatisation. I wish he I didn't. I, he, he said something else, but I, I, I interpreted it as acclimatisation, so... So, so acclimatization. What in terms of the need? From, from, I think from league to league, or um, or like style, uh, playing style, yeah, or yeah. like on quality of well, squad to quality of squad. I actually think it comes back to genius, but then genius can be squashed, and so like it's really interesting. Messi has been allowed to be Messi because he's been coached by Enrique, by Guardiola. Um, yeah. You know, by 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 managers that have allowed him to demonstrate his genius in a way that fits him. How many Messi's have had their genius coached out of them, or have not been allowed yeah, to develop yeah. because of System. the coach who 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 they've been under? How many Messi's have has Heckingbottom squashed? How many Messi's has Hockaday squashed? How many Messi's has Pardew kept on the bench? Yeah, and so that that's a really interesting one where I, I think acclimatization in terms of culture and country and things like that. I mean, come on, we can't take away from the fact that Di Maria did not enjoy living in Manchester. But yeah. if you've come from the places that Di Maria has lived in, Manchester United. Yeah, I mean that that was an element of it as well. But like, if you come from the places that Di Maria has lived in, like, mm. unless you are so wedded to the idea that you're playing for Manchester United, you love the club. You're not going to fall in love with the jewel of the Cheshire coast, are you? You know, it, it's it, it's well, Liverpool, <laughs> and that's actually where London clubs will always have the edge over non-London clubs because, yeah. as as nice as Leeds is, as as up and coming as Birmingham is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not going to get top top players wanting to live mm-hmm. there unless they desperately want to play for your club, mm-hmm. and so. I think there's so a how do you how do you um how do you quantify then players that do go to the Newcastles, do go to the Leeds, do go to um maybe even lesser known clubs such as a couple of Welsh clubs or wherever and say that this is everything to me. Here. Because I think there has to be a number of ingredients in place and this is where used our statistical philosopher would probably be quite interesting because you'd have to look at their personality. What's their motivation? So I, I go back to Rafinha for Leeds. Mm-hmm. He's Brazilian. He's lived in the south of France. He's Brazilian. He's lived in the south of France. His name's Rafinha. Hey, hey. And now he lives in Leeds. And it, it's... <laughs> oh, I love Leeds. But Leeds yeah. is not the south of France or Brazil. Um, no. And, and, and... But you know what is, kind of? Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> but But... He wants to play for Leeds because of the club, because of yeah. Marcello Bielsa, um, and also because Did of and because he was sold this. We really like you. We're going to value yeah. you. We're going to invest in you. You know all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's why Newcastle can get players. That's why Sunderland inexplicably and Middlesbrough inexplicably can can get players to come to those arid wastelands. Yeah. To play for them, and it, it, it's like, but also what they've got is they've these these are historic clubs, these are historic clubs with passionate fan bases. That's got to also be another thing as well that particularly when we start going back into stadiums is going to come in. But always London will have the edge. How many players have we seen London clubs take over a Midlands or a Northern club mm-hmm. because the player wanted to live in London? Yeah. So that question was, does. <laughs> And Bruno Fernandes show that acclimatisation is a myth and does Odegaard also show that? I think it's a stupid question. No, I'm being harsh. No, no, I'm being harsh. I'm being harsh. It's a question that I think misses the point in some ways that actually there are so many factors into why a player does acclimatise to a team at a certain time in a certain place. Too many, it's like any bad scientific experiment, too many variables, not enough control. Yep. Okay. 
Number two is particularly solipsistic. That's an or solipsism is another thing that I'll come to next week. Inter- incidentally, if you're interested in the ism jism, next week's ism jism will consist of mysticism, um, utilitarianism, and solipsism. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> number two is Arteta doing a good job. Now this is interesting because what I want to do with this, this that sounds like, to be honest, this sounds like a primary school child asking questions. <laughs> and so fair play to him. You know, he's, he's coughed this out. Fair play to him. He's kept it about Arsenal. But I think one what what's interesting here is is the word good. Mm. Is Arteta doing a good job? And I guess that depends on who you ask and who you are. I think he's doing a good job, but I don't support Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, no, but your definition of a good job is Arsenal not doing well. So ag- yeah. agent agent Arteta is is doing brilliantly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no, fantastic job. I, I think that again, I think there are variables at play here. So, do you think Arsenal will be top four next season? No, and so I think he's then not, he's not doing, doing a good he's job. Not doing a good job because if you look at if I think these days, the, the Premier League is capitalism on speed. The Premier League is at its core a meritocracy yeah. in terms of mm. if you are better at business, if you have mm. more money, and if you are able to get the footballers who are better, who command the higher wages, you generally on the whole will do better. Manchester City case in point. Look at this season. Arsenal have the infrastructure. They have the history, they have the location, they actually have the youth system, they have the the stadium, they've actually got a large fan base who are passionate. You know, just watch yeah. Arsenal fan TV for kicks. Like, yeah. they've got all of those ingredients in place that almost every other single club, apart from the top six and maybe top eight, in the Premiership and maybe a smattering in the Championship, but everybody else in the football pyramid would kill for. Mm. So the fact that they are where they are mm. is not good crazy. enough, unless Arteta can convert what this is. If this is seen as a rebuilding season, yeah. Well, this is it. I think that question is. Let's talk again in eighteen months' time because we could all be eating our words. Yeah, but welcome to welcome to two thousand and twenty-one because. You can have, you can have. <laughs> welcome. There's been a lot of changes, um, but but there's this 2001. You could be given. God Almighty, we're going backwards. <coughs> you could be given. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Sorry, I got a frog in my throat. Um, you it's could right. you could be given three seasons. You're talking about Arteta. <laughs> you could be given three seasons to do the rebuilding yeah. process, but yeah. in 2021 now. It, no. it's, you've, your, re, your rebuild has got to take place over the summer, mate. Okay. So the question was: Was Arteta is, is Arteta doing a good no. job? And your answer is no. No. Okay. There we go. Unilateral. We don't. What we don't need to do is um, talk too much. I don't think. I don't think people listen to us to listen to us talk. So, um, question one: um, Does Bruno Fernandez show a climatization of the myth? No. Number two: Is Arteta doing a good job? No. Um, number three: um, This is a good question, um, and it's simple as this. And it, to be honest with you. I mean, this was this was the height of his intelligence when I asked him this, and he simply said, "Who's going to be top eight? So what we're going to do is, I'm just going to talk through the top eight a little bit, and we'll talk about who they're playing next. And I'm interested in um, in, in what you're thinking about that. So my personal feeling is, uh, you know, Manchester City are walking away with it. Yeah, absolutely um, agree. I think I th- I can't look past Manchester United for second because I just think that they got ahead of steam. I I, I feel Leicester City are going to fall away a little bit, not too much, but I think they'll be fourth or fifth. I think Chelsea will finish third. And I right, think right, right, that, wait, 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 wait. I think wait, four, four, fifth. I think four, four, fifth. Wait, we're, we're diving around personally. it. So, are we agreed that one, two, three is Manchester City, Man United, and Leicester? I, I think Leicester no. will leapfrog Man United. No, uh, I think you're bang. I think you're bang. Well, this, this, the coming, the, the matches after the international break are interesting because Man City have got Leicester City, mm-hmm. Manchester United have got Brighton. And Chelsea have got West Brom. So you can see West Brom falling over in front of Chelsea. Yeah. You can see Manchester United spanking Brighton, despite the fact they've been okay for a couple of matches. And if you're being honest, you can see, generously, you can say a draw for Leicester City against Man City, or possibly just Man City winning. I think, so, I think Thomas Tuchel has shown how, how good a job he's done after Fat Frank yeah. did his best to condemn Chelsea to ninth or 10th yeah, yeah. in the league. To get them yeah. to fourth... With an outside chance of of third, if not second, shows how well he's done. They're five points behind third. Five points for me is 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 quite a 
big with, gap at this stage of the season. And Leicester... We're 20, we're 27 points to play for. I think I think we're doing Leicester a disservice. And we've spoken about this in terms of big clubs and small mm. clubs. It's We've got an inherent confidence that Man United are going to do well because they're a big club. I think Leicester have earned the right to actually not be like, oh, they'll drop away. I think Leicester will will, will be up there. I think one, two, three, four will be made up of... I, Man City are going to win. But Man United, Leicester and Chelsea is up in the air. But I think those okay, three are going to be enough, there. Then. Let's argue over fifth. Um, you've got West Ham on 49 points. You've got Tottenham on 48. You've got Liverpool on 46. Everton on 46. And Arsenal on 42. And Arsenal are well and truly out. Well, no, I, th- I don't think... I think Arsenal are too inconsistent at the moment un- under um, Arteta. And I feel sorry for Arteta because he's got nutcase players. But he keeps, like, David Luiz, like, who who is just yeah. ludicrous. He he is... I think it's worth saying as well, Everton have got a game in hand. So they win their game in hand, they go up to fifth. I, I actually think Everton... Are a good mm, shout for fifth. Um, what do you think about West Ham? Everyone's sung their praises. Everyone said they're doing brilliant. Oh, I think they've I think had, uh, they've had a, out of the last four matches. They've lost two, drawn one. Something hilarious has happened. West Ham have become David Moyes' Everton. If he does yeah, the same yeah. next season, so if I think West Ham, if they finish eighth, seventh, sixth, or fifth, have to be. Yeah ludicrously happy with that because yeah, yeah. they always got relegated like if they do it again next season they suddenly yeah. become nobody ever wanted to play David Moyes' Everton because yeah. they won more than they lost and they got draws against some of the top teams yeah. because they had something in them West Ham are showing what do you that. make about Spurs what do you make about Spurs they've had a disastrous time of it you know what they won relatively comfortable last match but they they, they I I don't like the way they play. I don't think I don't think anyone likes the way. No, they play. I, I, they're grinding out. Results. Oh, they they're a really they're they're a hard club to like. They're a really yeah. hard. Which club is to which like. is interesting because in the past they've been worse, but I've liked them. Yeah, and actually a lot of Leeds players went over to Tottenham, and yeah. and for me for my personal connection there, I, I I liked that. But and and it, because you know I felt go on do well because where we were on the way down, you you wanted to see like Robbie Keane do well, and you know players who had done a good service for the club. But they're they're a dislike. I love Jose Mourinho, like I love him just for the drama. But as a manager, he annoys me. There are play there are players that I admire in Tottenham, but outside of Son and Kane. We're seeing, unfortunately, the thing that I find hard as well is we're seeing the end of two really, really top defenders in in Vertonghen um, and the other one. <laughs> I want to say Verstappen, but, it, but it's not it's not Verstappen at all. Um, but but here, it, the two centre backs in in Tottenham who who often play like I, I we're seeing the end of, a, of really good careers, but they never quite were were right, right, right at the top. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of hope they slip away. Um, Liverpool again. I just, I don't know. You never know what Liverpool's going to turn up um, in, in a game. So I think actually fifth is probably between. I just think it's between West Ham and Everton. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, uh, what? At what? How many points does a team have to have at this moment in the season for you to be out of the running for the top eight? Considering that Everton are currently sat in eighth with. 46 points what 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 is too low an amount of points to to, to have at this I actually think challenge? from Arsenal down um from I think Arsenal Aston down. Villa 42 down. I, I, as much as I'm loath to say it I think Aston Villa have a chance in terms of they've got a game in hand at, on 41 they've had points. an awful result. I know but if they if they win their game in hand they're on 40 Fulham 44 they're two points Fulham's their game in hand. Yeah, which, you know, is is for a lot of teams three points. So uh, I, I think I think Arsenal, Leeds, Crystal Palace, Wolves, I I think top eight is, is beyond them now. Okay, that's interesting. And are you saying that Fulham are down? Fulham are Fulham oh uh, well Sheffield United are down and West Brom are down. I think that's a great I still I still think that Newcastle are, are going down. I yeah, I I, I just can't see anything for them. You know, Fulham Fulham, you know, to, I, I'm no Scott Parker fan. I'm, I'm certainly not a Fulham fan. But when I look at the fact that they've, the last five matches, have, they've lost three, drawn one, and won one. They, they should have easily had at least five or six more points than they have had I'd hate it. in the past I'd, five matches. I'd hate it if Newcastle go down. I, I, the Why? thing is, I'd just feel I for their, be I'd feel for their fans because they've been a yo-yo, yeah. they've been a yo-yo club for too many years. I, I just, and maybe I'm going back to that romantic, romanticism. 
Maybe I'm going back to that sort of romantic <laughs> romantic view of, of Newcastle being that historically large club and, and a fan base so, in an area that actually, again, it feels like Leeds in like the entire city yeah. seems to be based on the success of that club. And it's like, I just want them to do well. Whereas Fulham, so listen, I, I can't, the, I can't um, be fussed, to be honest. Nah, okay, no, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so the bottom five teams, the next matches they have in the Premiership are this. Sheffield United, Leeds United, West Brom, Chelsea, Fulham, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Spurs, Ooh. Brighton, Manchester United. You can't see any of them getting any points. No, from but the thing is, it's really interesting. Like Points become really strange for clubs that don't pick up points. So if you're, if you're a sort of a, a Burnley, Southampton, Wolves, sort of Crystal Palace... Who are still looking over your shoulder a little bit? Yeah, yeah. As an as a fan of a different club to you guys, I just want to say I don't think you have to worry that much because the idea I think of we really low the, the, the difference, like one point, getting a I draw think, I think is thirty-five is, points is, will keep you up this year. Yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. Um, and, and but just 35, 36. just that one point, yeah. like Fulham. To get one point, the monumental monumental effort they have to show to get that point is major. Whereas you know those clubs above have got that capacity and capability to pick up three but points also, here you're, and then. If you're, if you're two point, if you're two points ahead, and the team below you loses and you get a draw, that's a win. And it's not just a win that they have to get mm. while you lose. Do you know what I mean? It's just about momentum and the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, and if you're yeah. three points ahead and you get a fourth point, yeah. That almost seems impossible. That's that. For, it almost seems impossible. Yeah, that that for me is how Leeds have done so well. Actually, you know, all all the all the lazy punditry of saying, "Oh, they leave themselves so open," and it's such a you know all of that sort of thing. It's like, well, the thing is, the way they play means that there are occasional games that they lose dreadfully, but they pick up three points here and there, three points here and there, three points here and there, rather than the occasional draw and then the occasional win and then these losses. Mm-hmm. Those. Those three points, those wins are absolutely vital. And that's what's put them into safety. Because Leeds fans still need to actually think about safety is the goal. Not flirting with anything higher than that. Um, Mm. It'd be great if they finished above Arsenal. It'd be hilarious. But at the same time, like, actually... It, that's why Crystal Palace actually haven't been dragged down into anything anything worse because they've managed to scrape mm. together 10 wins. But what's really mm. interesting is if you look at Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, they've got, um, between them, they've only got 12 wins between those three clubs. Well, if you go to Leeds and above, every club above them has got 12 or more wins just on their own, whereas the bottom three have only got the 12 wins. And then you look at Newcastle and Brighton, seven wins each. And and it's really interesting because there should be different permutations, but it's not. In the Premiership, three points is what it's worth going for. And so don't play for the draw. Get smashed every every few weeks. Right, eleven draws, and there's definitely some of those that should have been wins. Well, the fact is, it's proof that draws don't keep you up. And and actually, yeah, yeah. obviously, they've got. If they'd have come, actually, draw every single match. <laughs> mathematically, what's quite interesting is if you'd have, if you trade some of those draws, and and add them to the losses column, yeah. but move some of those draws over to the win column. Yeah. Fulham actually suddenly in a in a stronger position. So yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um. You're thinking Everton, West Ham at the top. Who yeah. do you think is going to get 7th and 8th? It's going to be Liverpool and Liverpool. Aston Villa. You think Liverpool are going to be fairly relatively strong moving forward? Do you think they're going to finish the season respectively? I think they'll they'll finish the season respectively. But if they're going to, if we're talking about them finishing 7th or 8th, yep. then that's going to be, no, yeah. that's going to be because they'll lose a few and win a few. And who's going to be the next manager to be sacked? The next manager for me to be sacked... It's interesting, actually, because a load of clubs like you would you were suspected that Steve Bruce would be be gone by now. Mm. I would have suspected that Arteta would be gone by now. I'm, I would have suspected that that either mm. like you know Palace or Wolves would have. Can we can we not talk? We won't talk about the bottom three. Um, no, in terms of pointless. the sacks, I think the next manager to be sacked will be Potter. <laughs> and on that bombshell. 
<laughs> on that bombshell, we're going to say thank you for listening to The Outsiders, our football and philosophy podcast. Um, we've gone through the ism jisms today. You, 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 thank, you can thank me. Do we need to do an advert? If you want. Oh, God almighty. An advert. Okay. Because we've go. actually got sponsors who we've, we've, we've actually almost deliberately ignored over the last yeah. few podcasts you know what you know you, do you want to know why i've ignored it why? Um, it's not out of malice it's out of the fact that um my testicles are um mm. in fine fettle um and i wanted i was actually going to ask you in the first minutes of this podcast how your testicles are doing because i know i know you have problems with them don't you why don't you advertise our sponsors why don't you start and I'll join them? So we've been sponsored um, very generously by a wonderful company called Manscaped who yeah. offer a range, a wide range of male grooming products. Now, what's really interesting about them is they they provide products for the conservative male as well as the metrosexual male. And I yeah. think we embody, between the two of us, that broad spectrum. Yeah, I, for Definitely. one... I'm a big, big fan of the Manscaped leather carry case. That's a toiletry <laughs> bag that is of high quality and, and quite a, a lovely addition to my travel set. Um, yeah. Whereas for you, you've gone the whole hog and they've got a range of sort of electric items, haven't they? That um, I, I, remove I know, I know that... the more follically abundant difficulties that some males have down below. Now I know I no difficulties implied, no difficulties implied. What I would say is, um I am a man that respects a Sean Scrotum as much as the next one. And um what I'm I, I, I like I've moved on to the odors. I've moved on to the fantastic kind of like array of um of different kind of uh moisturizers and, and, and scents that come with it. So Manscaped have sent us uh, um, these fantastic things um, to... to uh, w- would you remember what it's called? Because I remember you thought it was a bit dodgy. You, you thought you were going to send it back because it had a funny old name, didn't you? What, the starter kit? The st- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long do we have to talk yeah. about them anyway? The la- <laughs> I think we're doing like a bit of a... Like, you know, they're sponsoring us, but not that much, the mate. La- the, the, la- the Lawnmower 3000. Uh. <laughs> no, sorry, the Lawnmower 3.0. No, you're not into that. But I tell you what, I absolutely love it, and I absolutely love the the boxes. I absolutely love the aftershave. We, we, Check them out, the podcast. Stuart. Where, we, where we, can they find we, them? Where can they find them? And oh, can they get a discount? To, yes, 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 yes. I tell you what, you are, oh, you are a gem. You go to www.manscape.com and you pop in where it says "ask for a code outsiders," and you get a lovely twenty percent off. Ooh, which is no small amount, is it? And Especially for you. What's brilliant with that is. Yeah, it somehow enables us to keep on splurging and vomiting words in random orders into yeah. a microphone. Yeah. So if you want to be complicit in that, whilst looking after you yourself, <laughs> well, complicit is the word. And I tell you something, I tell you something. I spent a lot of time with Young Sai on this podcast, and I have never known him have such a moisturised ball bag mm. and I tell you what, it is an absolute delight it is an absolute delight and, 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 I, and I love no. them for it so get on to manscaped.com mm. and there's um, a range get, of items get these, there's a range of there's items a range, there's a range I, I, if you're approved you can have the carry bag if you're not you can set yourself free manscaped.com outsiders in the code box get yourself 20% off on ball bags um, big sigh <laughs> um, we're going to call it a day there thank you very much for listening Take care. And you know what? Sorry, take care, mate. Because, you know, nothing merely means anything, does it? So you asking me to take care is absolutely hilarious because... Pointless. Pointless. In fact, I think that you know, there's a bus in your name. <laughs> well, you know, actually, at the same time, I just hope your slow decline into entropic cascade failure and eventual stardom. But I don't care. Because... No, no, no. All the best, mate. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself.